thanks for listening and for downloading the podcast again this week. I'm Deanna Fletcher. Now, mental health is a hot topic of conversation at the moment, and rightfully so. We're understanding more about how issues of stress, anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem keep us from a full future and freedom from worry. Today's guest is so passionate about us all understanding that we are worthy of great love and purpose that she's built an online mental health resource to help us overcome these obstacles. Today we're looking at how we can set goals to move forward with our dreams and aspirations, big or small, and how we can stay focused in a world full of distractions with singer-songwriter Lily Jo. Uh, Thanks for your company. Let us start with, if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your background in your own words and kind of just who you are. I feel like it's always interesting getting people to describe themselves Mm. because you never know what they might come out with. Who I am? Well, I am a singer-songwriter from Manchester. I grew up singing in church. My parents were musicians and in a band and my grandparents were musicians and in a band too. So it's three generations of musicians along my family line and really passionate about people knowing who they are, knowing their true worth, finding their purpose and also finding freedom. So really love helping people find their purpose. So I'm a life coach, I'm a singer-songwriter, I'm a workshop facilitator and I'm creator and founder of the award-winning mental health resource, the Lily Joe Project. <laughs> it is award-winning. It is award-winning. Which is fun, but you you know, you're never going to win an award for truly impacting people. Like the award isn't, the, re- the reward isn't here, is it? The reward isn't here and I will never know. And actually, it's something I was talking about the other day was like, how do you know what impact you've actually made because with what I do you know I go around I sing a few songs you know I point people to a website but I never really know like if I've had made a lasting impact or made an effect on people's lives and I don't think I'll ever know it's hard to quantify actually I think anything that's ministry related or anything that's aimed at helping people you can't quantify it you can try you know in a local church you might count how many people come through the door on a Sunday in radio you don't know who's listening half the time. You can you can get stats and figures, but it only goes so far. It does. And it can sometimes feel like a slog, can't it? It can sometimes yeah. feel like hard work. Um, but yesterday, actually, I was at a festival and a lady came up to me and she just said, thank you for what you do. Um, your music got my daughter through year seven and she burst out crying. Aww. And I was just like, actually, thank you, God, because I did need to hear that. Sometimes you do just need to hear that you're making a difference in the world. Some because, encouragement. Yeah, you need a little bit of encouragement here and there. And obviously, I'm really confident and I'm really self-assured, but you still need to know that what you're doing is making a difference, really, don't you? So... Yeah, no, you do. So tell me, how did you come to faith? Did you grow up in church? I grew up in church. I was dedicated as a baby and I'm mixed race. So my mum is white, English, and my dad is Jamaican. And so back in the day when I was born, that wasn't a common thing to mixed relationships. Especially not in the north of England. Not in the north of England, no. And so I was a rare breed, so to speak. You still are, my friend. (laughs) You still are. (laughs) And I've actually got 80 plus cards from my birth. So people wanted to see me. They were like, what will she look like? Really? Yeah, people were really interested. So... um, yeah, I was the first the first mixed-race person to be born in my church. And so it was a big thing, really, back in the day. So I was born and raised in a church up in Manchester and 
taken every Sunday, involved in sound checks and rehearsals because my parents were obviously musicians and part of the worship team. And really came to faith myself when I was a teenager. I went to something called Spring Harvest um, Christian Festival and really decided that, yeah, I wanted to follow Jesus for myself. Um, when I was about 11, my mum did give me the option and she said, do you still want to come to church? Because you don't have to. And I think she was really conscious that she didn't want to brainwash me, that it was about me making my own decision and choice to follow Jesus. And I did decide that I wanted to go. But if I'm honest, I wanted to go because my friends were there and it was with my, my community. You know, it was a different space from school. It was a place I could go and just have friends that were like kind and nice to me. Not that people at school weren't, but it was just, it felt good to be in church. So I stuck with church and I got really involved in serving in church. So I used to lead the Sunday school from a really young age. I was leading the kids ministry there. Um, and then I was leading worship in church and involved in all kinds of, you know, service and yeah, really don't have one of those miraculous, life-changing stories of how Jesus saved me. But I think my testimony just really is that he's always been there. He's always been by my side. Faith has always just been a massive part of who I am and how I live. But there's so much to say, I think, in choosing, continuing to choose. It's not a choice. I suppose it's like marriage. It's not a choice you make once. It might be at the time when you get married but you keep making that choice yeah. to stay in relationship and I love that church I've always found growing up in the church it's such an awesome place in Christian community in general whether it's a ministry or something that you might get involved with you can try different things as a young person and there are so many things that might keep you connected in the community but also help you to try out new tasks and grow your confidence and grow your experience in whether it's worship leading or you know working in sound or I mean I think that's huge and it sounds like the the involvement really kind of helped you keep connected as a young person absolutely and I think as well the thing about churches there's all ages yeah. and all races so you can learn to relate connect with everyone to all kinds of people can't you which I think is a really great um, thing to learn as a young person you know how to communicate with an elderly person how to communicate with a baby and a child you know so for me church was a real amazing life-giving place what was it like for you growing up in a community where you probably didn't know a lot of people who were mixed raced and certainly in your church there was no one else who was of mixed colour and ethnicity as you are. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? Well, in my school, when I went to high school, um, there was one other mixed race girl and one black guy out of 250 kids in my year. Wow. So we really were in the minority. You stood actually. out. Yeah. You stood out. <laughs> stood out. Yeah. Um, and it was a pretty much a white middle class area that I grew up in. It's hard to really remember what that was like because as a child, I didn't really realise that I was different. Um, I didn't realise that having a black dad and a white mum was an alien concept, so to speak. It was just my normal. Yeah, sure. I didn't know any different. Um, I had my black grandparents and my white grandparents and I would call them that. I'd be like, we're going to white nanas or black grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> it was just normal language for me in my yeah. house. So, yeah. And then my brother came along, so it wasn't that I was the only one. I had a brother. I also had cousins that were close in age who were also mixed race, so I think that helped. So my dad's brother uh, ha married a white lady as well. So, And actually all my cousins, every single one of my cousins, is mixed race. Wow. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? All the black side of my family married white people um so all my cousins are mixed race so 
if I'm honest, I didn't feel massively isolated. My mum was amazing. She really just didn't allow me to see colour in that way. She was just... I can't really describe how she was, but... She just didn't make it a big thing. It wasn't an issue. But what about, I mean, obviously you take your family, the way you are raised as a family in your home, you take that with you as your personality, your confidence in your character. But what was it like for you outside of your your personal community, whether it was church or school or just randomly meeting people on the bus? Yeah. I haven't ever been subjected to racial insults, so to speak. Um I've been mistaken for another race, so not mixed race Jamaican English, maybe Bangladeshi. Okay, yeah. I've been mistaken for that and maybe called names along those lines. Yeah. Which does hurt. It's not nice to feel like you're the only one or that you're the the minority. But I think... I don't know any different. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it it is like who I am and I don't know any different I don't know what it feels like to be the majority <laughs> so to speak in terms of my col- the colour of my skin I don't know what it feels like to be the- in the majority because I never have been I've always been in the minority but what my mum did was she just always celebrated me actually in that so she'd say oh your skin is so beautiful and it's so soft and you can wear any colour and you always look good and or you could wear a bin bag, bag and you'd look good so I was always kind of showered with these incredible compliments that just made me feel like I was worthy well, that actually leads us really on well onto something else we want to talk about. A large part of your message in your songs, in how you present from a platform when you are singing and performing to younger people or to any crowd of any age, um, and also your your mental health platform as well, is this concept of you are worthy. Mm-hmm. You put it on merchandising, you put it on necklaces and things people can buy to wear that apparel to remind yourself that you are worthy. I feel like sometimes, or perhaps in the past, Words like that, speaking words like that, it can come across as arrogance. But actually, we live in a day and an age where we're so caught up in, am I enough because I don't have enough Instagram followers? Am I living up to the expectation others have of me? It could be, I mean, the anxiety comes from all sorts of places. And I guess a lot of it's rooted in self-worth. You know more than me, you're a licensed counsellor. So you have these conversations all the time. So why why has it been so important to you to put this message of worthiness as the core of your message and what you do yeah having a good sense of self-esteem is really important I believe it's really key and I think like I said my mum was so good at doing that for me and I've turned out okay um and she just spoke those words of life over me constantly throughout my childhood and teenage years so I've grown up with this foundation of having a healthy sense of who I am And so not everyone has that luxury. Not everyone has a mum or a dad who can speak those words of life over them. You know, often we can have negative messages spoken over us. And so for me, I just want to make sure that anyone who comes into contact with my ministry knows that they are worthy, knows that they are good enough, knows that they have a purpose in this world and that they are actually amazing You could have chosen so many topics, though, to Mm. really base a lot of your ministry on, as you say. Why self-esteem? Why worthiness? If you've had such a positive role model, was it a part of your journey or did you always have such a positive sense of self-esteem that it just, like, why does it stand out to you? 
I think becoming a mum was actually really difficult. That's where I kind of wavered a little bit. And actually, I wasn't then living under my mum's roof. I didn't have that constant support of, you're amazing, you can do this. And becoming a mum was really tough because it was sleepless nights. It was completely self-sacrificing to the point of, you know, giving everything of myself. You know, I had a really tricky birth with my first child where I lost um, a lot of blood and I was really poorly and I was really poorly for about six months. And so I wasn't living at my full capacity. It was really tough. And so I had this brand new baby who depended solely on me and my my milk to feed him to give him life so to speak but your body was so weak but yeah I was so weak in every way you know emotionally spiritually physically so and you were young and I was a young mum actually yeah I had to really find (laughs) who I was again and reconnect with what made me tick as my children grew older and older I had to be like hang on a minute what do I like (laughs) what do I want to do in this world like has it changed well, it hadn't changed. When I was really young, I did this amazing course called The Path, which helped me to identify my mission statement and my purpose for my life. And I identified that I wanted to inspire, ignite and promote freedom within myself first and others. So I had to revisit that after having kids because I was like, is that still what I do? Is that still who I am? Well, it kind of was still what I was doing and who I was because I was doing it through friendship and I was doing it through coffee mornings with other mums and that kind of thing. But I wasn't doing it on a major platform. Um, and so I was like, well, really, if I'm going to live to my full potential, how else can I promote freedom? Well, I can promote it through songs that I write, music that I create. And as a trained counsellor, which I did when the kids were small, I can do it through one-to-one counselling. And as the kids were small, I was working in a GP surgery. So I wasn't doing so much of the music side of things. I was more focused on the one-to-one, which gave me a really good foundation for now what I do in terms of music and the songs that I write and stuff, because I had that connection with hundreds and hundreds of people who were struggling and suffering. I remember when you were working as a counsellor and I remember when you said that you'd booked studio time I remember you telling me I've booked studio time and I'm just going to give it a go and go back because you'd done a lot of background singing for people while you were raising your kids but I remember us having that conversation that you were going to step out you booked studio time you didn't really know what was going to happen but you were just going to try it yeah do wow. you remember that experience I'm so pleased that you remember that I remember random conversations I had with people. That's so good. Yeah. No, I do remember that. Because I just didn't know whether anyone would be interested. Like, what have I got to say, you know? That's that's how I felt back then, actually. I guess that reflects what my self-esteem, where my self-esteem was at, Mm. really. Because I was like, oh, do I have anything to say? Like, how is this going to work? Does anyone want to hear it? And um, it turns out that people did want to hear it. (laughs) And... um, and, and it turns out you excited. actually had quite a lot to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you find that you had to step out before you really not found your voice? I think women have a voice. It's more a case of you don't really know until you put pen to paper and you have a try what it actually is you want to say. Yeah, and that's very much been a part of my story. It's been that whole thing of take a step, push a door, see if it opens. When it opened, I'd walk through it. Then I'd take another couple of steps, get to this other door. Is this open? Does it open? Knock, knock. Hello? Yeah. Oh, it does. Let's walk (laughs) through it. And here's another door. And so I feel like I'm just on this journey. So going back to that point that you just made about starting out, I started out, I booked the studio time. I took that very first step. 
I created the CD, the first CD that I made, and I passed it on to you, actually, wasn't it, Deanna? Yes, back in the day. Back in the day, and it got played on UCB, and that's where that door then opened. So I was like, oh, okay, so I walked through that, and then I got a record deal with Light, and that door opened so I walked through that and then they were like oh do you want to come on tour with us LZ7 let's go tour the world together you can open up for shows with for us but then you can jump back on stage with us I was like yeah okay so that door opened walked through it and now I got to the place where I'm like okay um people are coming up to me at the end of shows and saying I'm really struggling I'm really suffering show me their scars and saying thank you for what you said about mental health and I'm thinking all I said was hey I'm a counsellor and you know I really believe that there's freedom available for you and they were like queuing up to speak to me I was like okay what's this next step so this next door was can I create an online mental health resource that can help people knock on the door get some funding oh that door opened amazing so it really has been step by step being obedient following my heart and my convictions and just moving forward a bit at a time now then that isn't really very good business advice actually like really in theory you should write a plan oh yeah but with an excel spreadsheet you know and you should really think is this financially viable is it going to feed my children look yeah yes and no but when you're living that faith field life you've got to step out and you've got to see and sometimes you are just following that still soft voice that you think might be God you think might be God absolutely and see what happens absolutely so for me yeah it was and it's funny the things that get added once you're on the journey you know what I mean Oh, yeah. I mean, surprising things happen when you step out, don't yeah, they? Yeah. And that's what my new EP that I released at the beginning of this year, 2018, is all about. It's like stepping into the great unknown, like not really knowing what it's going to be like. So obviously I stepped out of LZ7, which was becoming very comfortable. You know, it was very comfortable. Somebody would tell me where I needed to be, at what time. I'd turn up, be taken to the airport, fly across the world, do a show, fly back. Like, have a great time. Have an amazing time. But now you're fully independent and you're you're also project managing all these things that you've been telling us about yourself. Yeah. So when you're on that journey as a solo, you know, truly you're an independent artist, but as a solo individual, you're responsible for your everything that you're trying to achieve. You're very organised, actually, and you have a business mind. Not everybody who is as creative as you would be. So I think you have that to your advantage, and hopefully you have support. I think you do from friends and family. Um, But what advice would you have for anyone who's just looking to, even if it starts small, Hmm. but starting, starting. Starting, Booking that studio time and starting. Yes, starting is the hardest thing. Yeah, it is. But you just need to start. And I think it is really important to make some kind of plan. Okay, yeah, like of course. to know what is it that you actually want to achieve. So when I do life coaching, I put I draw a big arrow up the page. So ten is the top of the arrow, and then we work down nine to zero, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. At number ten, what are your best hopes? What is it that you actually want to achieve? If you're trying to start something, what is it that you want to achieve? Start with the end in mind. What is the end goal for you? Or what is how do you want it to be in six months' time or a year from now? What do you want it to look like? Write all those things down at number ten at the top of your page. And then look at where you're at today in achieving those things that are at number 10 so it might be that you need to lose um a stone in weight let's just say for example and you put that at number 10 
and you think, well, what number am I at today in losing a stone in weight? Well, I'm probably about a two. So then I would say, well, why are you a two and not a one? What are you already doing in order to achieve that goal? To be like, oh, well, I've already started to make a, a plan. I've already got a menu for this week in particular and I've joined the gym. So that's why I'm that number. But to get me to the next number, what do I need to do? Well, I probably need to make sure that I'm scheduling into my diary three runs a week. Plus, um, I need to make sure that I only eat chocolate on a Sunday. I thought you were going to say only eat chocolate. I'm down. <laughs> this diet sounds yes. great. <laughs> <laughs> so you work towards yeah, I see. the end game. Yeah. And I think starting Practical. is the most important thing. But yeah, and then you'd look at your next goal and you'd say, well, that's number 10. That's my best hopes for the number 10 here. What number am I at today in achieving that goal? Okay, this is why I'm this number. But how do I get one step up the ladder? And it's step by step and it's one day at a time. And then I guess, is there a lot of speaking positively to yourself as well yes. in that? Because even small steps that someone, you, if you told me your journey, I might think, well, that sounds really easy, but I don't have the same struggles that you have. Yeah, sure. So maybe, is it there a lot of, I am worthy, I am enough, where I am, but I'm going to try and Great. Achieve. It's declarations, basically. Right, I okay. have a list on my phone of declarations yeah. of things that I say over myself. So one of the things I'm currently saying over myself is... I have a big capacity for life and therefore I will not panic or become overwhelmed by details. Okay, now I'm saying that to myself because I have been panicking and getting overwhelmed over details. So I'm trying to retrain my brain to think more positively. So if I speak over myself every morning, I have a big capacity for life. It's sort of, it's creating new pathways. Yeah in my brain which then allows me to feel like I have a big capacity for life so what is it if you're listening today that you need to start speaking over your life and declaring over your situation in order to break through in order to kind of smash obstacles that are in your way and move forward towards those goals that you've set at number 10 and how is your either training as a counsellor or viewpoint as a counsellor, all these things that you're putting into practice that you've been explaining to us, how is that biblical in your view? As a Christian, how does counselling and your faith work together? Mm, that's a really good question. Or even just mental health, I think, is a better question. How does your mental health and your faith work together, the practices that you put into place and things? I think they have to work together. So I think part of it is about prayer and meditating on God's word, finding some scripture and verses that you can take hold of that kind of you can declare over yourself as well. So not just things that you need to change, but like what does the Bible say? Declare that over your situation and speak that out every day. Also prayer and meditation. Like I know that there's a whole kind of question mark sometimes over meditation and its Eastern roots and all of that kind of thing. But I think meditation, Jesus talked about going solid solid solitarily being in solitude that's it <laughs> <laughs> into the garden yeah. and having time yeah. so that's all we're talking about here is like getting some space getting away from it all having some time to really focus your thoughts in prayer and on the word of god i think that is really key and i think also with mental health it needs to be about 
finding the right support networks and like you said I do have a really good support network but who's yours who can you be honest with it's really important that we're honest about how we're thinking and feeling so yes we need to be honest with God but yes we also need to be honest with other people so that we're not isolated it's not all about us and our our own heads we need to kind of spread spread the load so to speak and speak to others apparently according to Samaritans Female suicide rate is the highest it's been in a decade. In our country? In our country. Wow. And also the biggest killer of young men between the ages of 25 to 45 is suicide. So that to me says that we're not talking enough. We're not speaking enough about our mental health and how we're feeling. Um, We need to be kind of honest. And I think part of the problem might be that we don't know how to... We don't know who to speak with. That's why we do this Hide of Heart series to inspire you to keep going because yeah. stuff is tough. And I think sometimes you don't know how to talk about it, let yeah. alone getting off the starting block and having someone to talk to. It's like, what do I say? How do I identify what I'm feeling? I have this anxiety, but I don't know what it's mm. rooted to. I just don't know. Yeah. But don't you find when you actually speak it to a friend or someone, they go, oh, me too. Yeah, true. But you just literally are so... We can be so proud, you mm. know, like... Or fearful as well. Proud, fearful, shameful yeah. about how we're feeling when actually you just open up and be honest and share your pain. It just unlocks something in your friendships and relationships too. And it, there's a vulnerability. Like, vulnerability is so beautiful. Mm. Actually, when we can be vulnerable with each other and honest with each other, it just... It breaks down walls. It breaks down barriers. Like... It's so freeing. I love that. I love the idea of us just being vulnerable and honest and real with each other and um, and coming into a place of peace rather than anxiety, anguish, stress, shame, you know? Let's just talk about it. Talk about how we're feeling. Well, let's get on to Sway. It's a new song, NMP, that's very much inspired by Romans 12 too. So tell me about it. Yeah, so as I've talked about, earlier in this podcast um the beginning of this year I felt like I was starting out again really starting something new stepping out in faith and stepping into the great unknown and I'd be looking on social media and I'd be seeing what other artists were doing other people were doing I was so caught up 